Hello and welcome to Season 7, Episode 3 of the Black Women Working Podcast. My name is Natalie and I am hosting today's episode. Ladies, can you introduce... Bleh, sorry. Ladies, can you introduce yourselves, please? No, we don't want to introduce ourselves. Carry on. <laughs> it tells you don't know my name. Hi, Tolu. Good <laughs> Okay, and Shan. Chantel here, right girls. Thank you for being cooperative and supportive. I don't know what's going on with Charles, we need to pray for her, but anyway. Um, and as usual, thank you to our lovely listeners for tuning in. And you can follow us on at UK on Instagram and Twitter. And you can join the conversation using our hashtag, which is hashtag UK. And if you want to find out more information about us, our origin story, previous um, episodes, you can get all that information from our lovely website, which is www.blackwomenworking.com. Now, I'm really excited about this episode. Um, I don't know if that makes me a bit nerdy, but I feel like this is a new area that's kind of being discussed in the world of work. But it's also something that I feel like we actually really need to directly talk about because I know that we kind of touch on this thing, though I'm going to reveal it soon, in a few episodes. But I feel like it is so important to our lived experience, our mental health, um, our survival and thrival um, that it deserves its own episode. So we are going to be discussing emotional resilience today. And so my first question is to the ladies. What is emotional resilience to you? Tolls, you can go first. Okay, I mean, as I was dying, choking. <laughs> is that why you're taking long to respond to me? Yeah, exactly. I thought you I were reflecting like... on the question I just asked you, but okay. Um, <clears throat> what emotional resilience means to me <laughs> is the capacity to get through crinkum crankum like that just now. <laughs> <laughs> and not to feel away afterwards. <laughs> Crinkum crankum. Can you please explain what that is to those in the back? The crinkum and crankum <laughs> is, um, uh, you know, the higgy haggers of life. <laughs> Sorry, oh I sound like I'm so high. No, no. <laughs> I don't even want to say what I want to say right now, no. but basically the higgy hagginess yes. of working life. Yeah, so or are we talking about emotional resilience at work or in general? I, we, you know, we can open it up to in general because I feel like it's important to all areas of life. But obviously, okay. because of the podcast, with more yeah. focus, you get me. Um, so I'd say in life, it's the capacity or the ability to handle a lot of challenges that come your way mm-hmm. and redirecting it into kind of positive outcomes for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I would say that emotional resilience doesn't necessarily mean that the outcome will be positive, but it's mm. just a way of being able to handle the situation or the circumstance that's presented to you without basically crumbling to the ground and disintegrating into dust. Um, I think everybody in the world has a level of emotional resilience, but I think all of our capacities differ. Mm. Like for some people, um, minor events or what I would perceive as minor, maybe like the loss of a job or something like that could trigger a really serious crisis Mm. in emotional resilience and cause them to consider options that... Uh, are self-harming whereas Mm. somebody else could be like okay well 
that's not the greatest struggle that I've been through in life. I'll get knocked down, but I'll get up again. Do you know what I mean? Okay, like, you're it, starting to sing now. So we're gonna <laughs> on you knew it was coming. You oh knew it was God. coming. Shan, my so, darling. Nah, I'm not finished. I'm oh not finished. God. So that can be their approach to life. And I think it tra- translates pretty similarly in the work environment. You know, when you undergo personal challenges and struggles whether it's as a result of you actually not being you know doing the best at your job that you potentially Mm. could be and maybe you have room for improvement or whether you're actually got you know demons and witches that are actually trying to drag you down Babylonians (laughs) we call them Babylonians 100% Babylonians like some people have the ability to think in the long term and like that's my goal and regardless of what these other people are trying to do to me right now I'm going for my goal and I'm just going to get there but other people you know the walls start closing in it really starts to like grind on you know their bones and they crumble and fall so I mean it's it's a lot wider than that but in the basic terms that's kind of how I I see it that was basic (laughs) (laughs) chapters and verses sorry dissertations don't be sorry this is your safe space yeah to to have a voice so I'm here for it do you know what I'm going to pick up on one of like the first points you made which was about you know, when um, adverse, turning adverse events into something, a positive outcome for yourself. And I think that that is probably one of the key points. And I know that we're going to talk about it a bit later. As in, I think that's a point to note because sometimes in terms of emotional resilience, people think resilience is about being strong and Mm. being strong might be about responding and pleasing and appeasing the needs of others. But actually we need to look at like, how do we make sure that these events work for us? But also I think it's about understanding your triggers. So potentially there are, there are things that we perceive as stressful that don't need to be as stressful I agree. depending Absolutely. on what your yeah. resilience looks like. Yeah. Okay. That's really helpful. And um, I agree with both of those, even Toll's elongated version. But I did, you know me, I love a case study. I love a definition. So um, I got this definition from a health partners case study, which was the first article that I read when I was trying to prepare us for um, this discussion today. And it said that emotional resilience resilience is the capacity to adjust to change disruption or difficulty while maintaining good functional capacity now I agree with that I think that's what you said but it's the next bit of this definition that didn't trigger me I don't want to say but it did make me think about why we why we're kind of using this term emotional resilience hear me out they said employees who have high emotional resilience are those who, when presented with stress, either work-related or personal, can bounce back, bend without breaking and cope without giving in, giving up or breaking down. Emotional resilience is a skill that can be taught and learned, but to be effective, these skills need to be practiced and incorporated into a healthy lifestyle and a healthy work style. Now, I, I agree with that, but one thing that kind of triggered me and we'll discuss it later was that a lot of the discussion around emotional resilience that I looked up initially, and it could be, I don't know, my Google algorithm is a bit off. It all seemed to be um, kind of articles and advice to employers rather than articles and advice to individuals. But the first thing first is 
do you guys think based off the different definitions that you gave and this kind of definition that I've given from the health partners case study that you actually have emotional resilience yourselves so my issue with that definition is the ability uh to was it to respond without breaking without breaking down without mm. giving in um and actually we've already discussed season one episode three white women tears it's all right to cry like it's okay to break down because we are human and sometimes you need that the ability to bounce back is the important factor but I don't mm-hmm. think we should say that if you are resilient you don't break down I think that's that's dangerous in terms of our emotional health yeah um I I'd like to think that I'm quite emotionally resilient but you know, as we've explored my career and my life in terms of being a, a working parent, a working mum, I think that that resilience has come over time mm. in terms of responding or learning how to respond. And also, I wonder if there is a way that you can get to emotional resilience without having to break down, because sometimes <laughs> it, it takes the breakdowns to break through when I you realise actually this is what empties my tank this is what takes me to the brink and this is why and how I need to readjust I mean there are some things that can be put in place that you know ahead of time but depending on the environment especially new workplaces new challenges new life events you Mm. know whether it's becoming a parent whether it's losing someone close to you Mm. I think you learn as you go along yeah Tolls you know what I'm gonna ask (laughs) What was the question again? Yeah, 100%. You, you have no, I know. No, we're moving on. We're moving no, on. No, we're no, moving on because you I need have to learn. No, you don't have a point. If I you can't, can't contain all of that information. No. So, sw- no, me, when it comes to me to having emotional resilience, <laughs> I don't feel like I have the best emotional resilience. And I agree with you, Shannon, 110% that I've only unfortunately understood and learned about my boundaries when I've crossed them myself in terms of like what I feel realistic about what I can manage about the stress that I can handle um so I don't like that aspect of the definition as well but then part of me does wonder that if you're a resilient person is crying and showing emotion consistent with resilience I don't know so we're talking about personal resilience okay I think I have what I would call a high threshold for uh, emotional resilience, just because of my life. Um, But I will say that there's definitely been, in terms of my work career, like very, very challenging times. But because of the way that I'm wired as a person, I'm not really wired to be that person who kind of cries or break down breaks down. Yeah, but Um, you're from South London and tells as your (laughs) as your as your colleague. As, yeah. as your friend somewhat, yeah. I think, yeah, mm. that whilst you don't cry, your snapback, yeah, your South London shows. Yeah. Do you know what it is? Like, I do have boundaries and limits, but again, like Natalie said, or maybe it was you, that was learned over time. Yeah. I think I do experience challenges 100%, but it can be more internalised. And I say in the past that it's probably more internalised than vocalised, but yeah. I'm realising as part of my journey of emotional resilience that... Yeah. 
I don't need to hold things in like yeah. if there's something that needs to kind of be brought up then I need to mm. do that because actually mm. holding it in was making it a very toxic space internally within myself mm. whereas actually having a simple conversation and understand that there's nothing wrong with bringing things up actually kind of just um, alleviates the situation somewhat in, in most of the circumstances so that's kind of how my emotional resilience has changed over time it's changed in terms of what I can bear in terms of how I communicate it and in terms of the methods that I use to kind of break it down into little sections that are manageable mm-hmm. I think that's a good point to make because sometimes our perception is not actually the reality mm-hmm. and sometimes the things that we get heated about are very easily resolved if we share mm. but yeah, I agree and I know we're going to talk about tips but like it's also then in terms of Natalie I know you were grappling with like a lot of the articles are focused on like the employer why we should have emotional resilience to make our workers more productive versus why we should be emotionally resilient to look after ourselves yeah. but then we need to think about especially in the workspace what are the spaces what is the culture that allows for people to build resilience and practice that resilience so if it's about I need to get this off my chest you know I've definitely worked in spaces where I've I vocalized how I feel and then it's um Chantel I need to speak to you on the side and it's like or you know my my previous workplace had a policy of praise in public criticize privately Mm. um, which I don't necessarily have a problem with but I think as a like divine rule it can be problematic because it's like but I have something to say and it needs to be said and what's the space for that without feeling like you're going to be reprimanded yeah I mean I think for for me one of the the most important things that I've had to learn over the time over time is that your your emotional resilience I feel improves with your life experience Mm-hmm. and your experience in, in in work something that will stress a junior version of yourself out whether it be a mistake a client a deadline it gets to a point when you're much more senior when you this is not your first rodeo it's not your first carnival it's not your first t-shirt mm-hmm. it's not your first mass that you'll be like okay I've done this before while other people are stressing out about this particular thing in the list of my priorities, this can go where it needs to go, whether that's priorities in terms of your working tasks that day or in terms of your life, because it's not as deep as I would have thought it was when I was younger. I now have the experience, mm-hmm. that thing that would have taken me three hours to fix will now take me half an hour to fix because I'm experienced. So I do think that plays a part in it. And I mean, the way I feel like I've managed to build emotional resilience over over the course of my career and I would say that most of my emotional resilience if I'm honest with you has come in the last six months for me personally it's been about trying to create clear boundaries between um, work and life because I feel like I talk about a lot of times the hours working weekends always Mm. looking at the work phone if you don't have that clear kind of line cut off then your emotional resilience is actually worse because Mm. you you can't see the wood for the trees and so when someone sends you an email, it's like you want to put on your jacket and go and fight them rather than realizing <laughs> rather than realizing that ultimately, you know, it's not that deep. Mm. But because you've allowed work to take such a big role in your life and you haven't been able to separate, yeah. you now see things with magnifying glasses. 
So a lot of it for me has been, is this really important? Is this life and death? And in the wider perspective of my life, do I really care about it that much? And when I've been able to ask myself those questions, the answers have been no. And then the approach has been, well, we can wait till tomorrow. Well, it's someone else's problem. Well, I'll just forward it on and delegate. I love that. I love when your email <laughs> comes in, I press forward and I say, please see below. You know, can you deal? Question mark. I feel like you've brought up a really good point here because I do think an aspect of emotional resilience involves the necessity of having recovery time. You cannot be emotionally resilient if you are constantly undergoing challenges. I agree. And you're not having the time to recuperate, sit back, look at what went well, look at what didn't go well and think about ways that you can improve your approach to to the situation that's going on and there was another aspect of emotional resilience that I kind of wanted to bring up as well because I think the challenge especially in a work setting is knowing what should you be emotionally resilient to and what actually is out of order like what how do we create the boundary I think that's what maybe a lot of people struggle with because there's certain things that people endure in the work setting that actually they don't need to be emotionally resilient about like it's actually a madness and it needs to be addressed somewhere no I think I think I think there's I I think just just to be really clear about what what I believe means when it's emotional resilience Mm. I think it's in the sense of it doesn't mean that just because you don't have a snap reaction to it or you don't have a breakdown and you may have a calm reaction to it. It doesn't mean you tolerate that behavior. Mm. So I can have emotional resilience. So someone, a, part, a client can call me and shout at me okay. yeah. and tell me about my underneath. And I'll be like, mm, okay. <laughs> I don't cry about it. But then I send an email saying, Suck. actually. <laughs> we understood. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? So yeah. I, don't, I don't want re- emotional, because it's a bit blurry, because I still think when I'm reading the different articles, people are trying to figure it out. But in this conversation about emo- emotional resilience, I don't want it to be seen that just because you don't address it there and then yeah that you're tolerating it yeah 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 you know because and I and I found in a weird way when I've been able to have higher amounts of emotional resilience when I've been faced with those situations Mm. my reaction and then my payback has been 10 times better because I've been able to keep my emotions in check so I give you an example, stupid lawyer, sorry, I just can't stand him. I won't say his name because I don't have to get sued. He sent me some stupid email talking to me like I just qualified last week. Now, the other version of me would have like smashed on papers, been angry. Do you know who you're talking to? The, the emotional resilient version of me took a step back. This is not personal. He's just lost his mind. You need to help him. <laughs> Called him and told him, look, this is how it's going down. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's it. Now, if I know if I would have called that person before and had a really hyper emotional response, like been shouting and losing my temper, then I would have then put myself in a position where I didn't get the results that I want. Mm-hmm. Now, because I told him what time it is in a straight voice, straight face, and I retained that level of control, I actually got the results that I wanted. So, mm-hmm. but, it's, but it's hard to figure out, like, I do think there is a question about how much is too much emotional resilience definitely in the sense of when do you actually need to show your emotions and you know what you've picked up on a point that I also want to pick up on because the dynamics in terms of when it comes to gender are very interesting oh absolutely because what you said if you had called back and you had been emotional you could easily have been dismissed as oh it's one of those emotional women working yeah, you yeah. know can you just you know just very infantilized yeah. and patronized with regards oh, to the way absolutely. that you were expressing yourself absolutely. and I feel that especially 
specifically as black women as well, we're even more hyper aware of how we communicate ourselves in order not to be perceived as that because once we're aggressive. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's mad, like just the Olympics, the mental Olympics you have to do first before you even respond. We're already thinking double time. And then obviously we're like we're human beings, we do get emotional, but then we have to think specifically about how do I portray that particular message without it coming off as this. Like me, I have to learn to become a fantastic linguist by email. (laughs) If I got an issue with you, you're gonna get an email. No, I'm I'm a phone call gangster. And I'm gonna be I don't know some people mm, I don't think I've ever really needed to address anyone like face to face because most people are passive aggressive through emails but I know I know that like I I can see that and I know how to respond to that to just Mm. be like that where you understand the subtext is gather yourself together or else (laughs) so that's kind of that's kind of my way of dealing with um, my way of demonstrating emotional resilience in the workplace actually through the way I communicate especially in written form (laughs) I think I think I I like to do phone calls because I don't sometimes people turn into keyboard warriors and yeah. I'm just like if you saw me on the street you never talk to me like that's that. it so I always make sure when I'm doing that that I keep my tone you have to level flat and then when I'm gonna lose my temper I put myself on mute and I'm like <laughs> well <laughs> um boy the keyboard warrior and the telephone gangster where do I sit with <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm I'm I still think like we need to push it back on employers because this still sounds yeah, like too much work yeah. for me and there's <laughs> too much to navigate and especially crybaby me that's me I'm crybaby I'm phone somebody and tell them not necessarily address it first or at least that's who I was in a previous life and I think for it's not that I'm not confident but I don't always um handle a situation in its first instance, the way that I would like to, mm-hmm. or the way that it needs to be in terms of setting boundaries. And I'm growing from that. And I think in terms of putting, therefore putting it back on employers, it is about the culture that yeah. says it's about, you know, laying out how you expect to communicate. It's about the systems and the policies that are in place. It's about people understanding people's jobs and their roles to know what's my responsibility, what's your responsibility, what are the expectations so that they're managed clearly. And like, if you've got someone doing something new or someone joining, that you lay the landscape so that there is a clear understanding and regular checking points for people to be able to express if they can't. I also think like, I guess between the emails and the phone calls, being a person, like- Yeah, be a human. Yeah, Yeah. without confrontation. Like if you can see that an email chain is about to just (laughs) go off, go to that person's desk. Uh Like uh ask them, can we have a five minute chat about this? Because I think it's getting lost in translation or the tone is changing here. And Uh actually, as like you said would you talk to me like that in person by the time you come to see them face to face it's it's never as deep as it is on the screen and and so actually facing it on just going to speak to someone um can help to diffuse situations but I think you know there needs to be clarity in terms of what is the culture of how we speak to each other and what we do in Mm -hmm. a workplace and and that needs to be modeled regardless of your position and regardless of your gender 
as well because it's quite interesting you can get employers that are like yeah we don't we don't do things like this when it and then two twos mm. this is the way they're addressing their team or this is the the way they're calling you out or expecting you to do things that you're not supposed to be doing and it, it creates the problems that lead to us having to build it and I think more I mean there, there's a point in itself why do we need to be emotionally resilient? yeah but I think we need to be I, I think there's a balance to be struck here because we can't be in a situation where well I know for me personally how I've been raised and how I've been socialized I just want to caveat that black women mm. in a Caribbean family I can't, I, I can't be falling on my sword every time something happens mm-hmm. I, I will get nothing done and in my personal and that's another reason I wanted to discuss emotional resilience because I feel like you actually do need it to progress in your career to a certain extent because I feel like if people can't trust that when a difficulty or something goes wrong that you can kind of under pressure make the right decisions they're gonna hire you bruv listen even as you're talking why am I not even remembering my biggest case of emotional resilience which was this year when I was in just some trash toxic team as soon (laughs) as I started to feel away my way of handling it was not just to sit there and let you know the situation dragged me to the point where I wanted to quit for sure I wanted to quit but the first thing I did was I flagged it I flagged it with the people that needed to know I got somebody else on board that was kind of like my advocate I had conversations with him he then had conversations you know with the VP of operations who's now kind of one of my greatest advocates where I work as well and it was really important so as you said Shan dialogue is really important and knowing where to escalate as well because if you escalate in the wrong places then you kind of trying to deal with your emotional resilience in actually a good way can actually become quite an, a negative thing if the wrong person takes it on board and starts to portray a different kind of story so there is an aspect in terms of when we're in the workplace knowing who we can offload to and um, discuss certain things with in order to manage our emotional resilience it's also about having the confidence and the autonomy to be able to speak up about situations that may be causing you to feel a certain way and to understand within yourself this is not a, a demonstration of the fact that you are weak as an employee it's you showing strength in the fact that you've managed to isolate that this particular instance or situation that's going on is a bit detrimental to you and therefore is going to impact the way that you work and I know there's so much that surrounds that in terms of us as black people in the workplace and not into not wanting to appear anything less than perfect because then that can you know have certain um consequences in terms of you know the promotions etc etc we're considered for just the way that we're viewed it's it's really techie but again experience yeah experience is really the biggest teacher in that what about situations that can't be helped like 2020 where suddenly you have to learn to work remotely, you have to learn new systems or create new systems of working. And for, I'm thinking maybe perhaps respectfully for like the older generation in the workplace who are then faced with a situation where they need to learn real quick. Like what you've described is sort of a personal thing that you've had to navigate and find out. But what about situations where the disruption can't be helped? I think that's funny because I just... Um, I read um, a report from Business in the Community, but full disclosure, it is from about 2009, so it's probably old. Not probably, it is old, but it made some very interesting generalizations about 
resilience. And it actually said that people in generations older than us, so our parents' generation and above, are actually more emotionally resilient than we are and the generations below us. That doesn't and, surprise me, that, I, those results. They probably had to live with a lot more hardship, to be fair mm-hmm. with you. And I think this is the, this is the whole point about why it's important to, to build emotional resilience. Because I know we've gone down the road of thinking about effectively how you maintain and sustain yourself in a difficult or toxic working environment but emotional resilience is also the ability to be able to to demonstrate all of those positive attributes in difficulties and that doesn't necessarily have to be difficulties caused immediately Uh because of the actions of others it could just be for example you find out that um you know your your husband's ill and you need to look after your husband but you still need to work or you have Uh a child that's ill and you still need to, to manage that. Or alternatively, you have a lockdown and you have one internet broadband, but you have four people who now need to log on. That's also to an extent what emotional resilience is, is about. And so there are ways that we need to think about where the balance is and what you should be able to tolerate and what you should be able to sustain and what you just need to, and I hate this phrase, just get on with compared to what is not normal what is too much what is not you know what is not bearable and I think one thing that the pandemic kind of did do even showed me in my working practices was that this kind of whole whole just get on with it philosophy or get on with it as a as a root of emotional resilience only works for so long it will only get you through for maybe four weeks two months it's not um a lifetime solution I think that goes tolls to what you said about knowing when to knowing when to take breaks you know what I was talking about in terms of putting in boundaries and things like that lockdown mm-hmm. had to do a lot with me deciding like look I can only work so much and be effective I can only do so much and be effective mm-hmm. and so there is a trial and error and when those difficulties come unfortunately it's baptism by fire because you only mm-hmm. build emotional resilience Uh in moments of stress and difficulty it's not like a like you're not going to get a you're not going to get a big bum if you don't squat (laughs) like there's no youtube tutorial that you can take to learn how to do it in it you've got to go through it you've got to go you've got to go through it but doesn't Um, that speak to your point that's about uh guaranteed results productivity versus actually looking after employer well-being like when we're speaking about emotional resilience here what is the purpose of it is yeah, it, but, but, is... but emotional resilience also I feel to a certain extent is you can't get knocked down by every single difficulty in life or you're not going to progress and I think yeah 100 percent but I think when something you said I can't remember right I can't remember but something you just said I think spoke to the point about like yes get shit done excuse my French um yes sometimes we've just got to keep going but is emotional resilience I mean it doesn't have to be about one or the other to be fair but from an employer's perspective is it about productivity or is it it about everything everything about um, everything about employers is about productivity where I think if you put well-being at the top you'll get productivity you put productivity at the top you could compromise people's well-being yeah but but I think there's I think there's been a misuse of of the terms there because ultimately they want individuals the same reason like some workplaces will give you private health care they want you to be well so that you work i think that's quite a cynical perspective <laughs> no but it's true maybe it's true, right I, 
They want you to be able, oh, I've got a pain in my back. I don't want to have to, oh, she's not working. Rah, she has to go through NHS, long. Go to Aviva, quickly, get a specialist. Oh, physiotherapist, two weeks, bang, we only lost her for two weeks, waiting on the NHS, we lost her for eight. <laughs> oh, this is bad. I'm going to speak from my own personal experiences here. And I think there's been certain workplaces where actually emotional resilience has been and well-being has been a priority more so than productivity. Because mm. I've had instances and occasions where I was clearly like overwhelmed, etc. And I've spoken to someone, maybe like um, my manager, and they've just been like, right, everything else shutting down. This is about you now. This is what you need to do. Oh, that's nice. No, I know. I feel like some, that's maybe very nice. the way you've responded it to it is probably based a little bit on your experiences especially working in a very corporate setting so it depends on like sectors and I know like charity sectors oh my lord they're the loveliest people they're so big on like emotional well-being and taking care of yourself because in a charity sector sector the focus is always on other people isn't it so that is kind of like the gold standard from which everything else flows by so I think in certain places yeah emotionally emotional resilience sorry can be tied to productivity because that's what they want to maximize and in other places what they want to maximize actually is the health and well-being of people because they know that ultimately that's making a better work culture and then the offshoot of that the positive offshoot of that is you know productivity but productivity doesn't come first the people come first and that's what I have to say on it (laughs) You know what I feel like to be honest with you we shouldn't really be we shouldn't be cynical either way I think for me um I feel like it's a balance I feel like you have to have a certain level of emotional resilience just to survive in this Babylon it's just a, just a fact and then emotional resilience at work is an extension of of that in terms of I need to get on with my life I have things I need to achieve I cannot allow every difficulty to knock me off of my carousel would you say that and I think maybe Shan asked this question before maybe asked it in a different way do you think that um, employers are responsible for kind of uh, training us in emotional resilience yeah, in they the workplace are. They absolutely are. yeah I feel like when especially when you're working in industries that are highly pressured mm. I think you have a responsibility um, to train your your team members to enable them to cope you know that you're setting them up it's like for example sending sending soldiers to war and not teaching them how to use the ak-47 like it's inevitable you know that this job is going to be stressful and there's only so much a type a personality can get only so far that can get you through you need to be able to to understand the challenges you need to have a perspective on what is important what isn't important and the only way to really get that, I feel, is from senior members of the team who've been there, done that. Um, mm. And so for me personally, a lot of people think that I'm quite emotionally resilient on the outside, mm. but it's been very much a, a baptism of fire. But what I find is it is done is because it's been a baptism of fire, I now have very little tolerance mm. for people who do not have emotional resilience. So I was going to speak to this next, but carry on. Yes. Like within the team, like when there's a mismatch of emotional resilience and you're getting on with it, you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else is just like trading behind. I have to admit, I've really had to learn in this area that I have to manage my expectations of other people. Other people are not me. They haven't mm-hmm. been through the same things I've been through mm-hmm. and they handle certain situations differently 
differently Mm -hmm. and I've had to build a tolerance of that which comes through discussion and communicating with them in terms of how they would like certain things approached but I'm not going to lie and say it's not frustrating sometimes when you're essentially dealing with what you perceive to be like the weakest link in the team and it's just like am I going to have to carry you along because I'm emotionally you know drained right now and you want me to also lift you like you know I think what I, don't, the thing is, I think like I don't want to go on like I'm like the best supervisor in the world because I think I'm not the best person to mm. work for in my workplace but I do full disclosures like look if you want to work with me it's not going to be easy because I don't have patience I'm very transparent everyone at my team knows I'm not a patient person however one thing that I will do is I'll be very transparent about what you, how you should react to things Say, for example, we're dealing with a negotiation on the other side. I'll be very honest, like, we should react this way. We should do that way. In future, you should do it that way. And I feel like that's not necessarily building emotional resilience. It's not building someone else's emotional resilience, but it's giving them a pathway of what is an issue, what is not an issue, where to keep your cool and where to be panicked. And also when you are worried about something, how to escalate it properly without then internalizing the stress. Because sometimes things can go wrong on a transaction and then you, I've done it, I've lost sleep, like I've not slept worrying about this, and the client that it relates to, they're not even worrying, they're sleeping fine, and then when I look back at it two, three years down the road, it's like it's not even that much of a big deal, and so I find that I'm having to now work on understanding that not everybody is like me, and that also the way that I suffered a baptism of fire, that's not the way it should be going forward, and I find, and this can be interesting, I have particularly less emotional resilience, sympathy when I have black women as my juniors. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. I I understand it. I absolutely do. But my reasoning for it, and this is start of order, we're going to get cast, is (laughs) I say to them, if you're working in this environment, nobody is interested in how you feel about certain things. And so I'm going to be honest and transparent with you about how you're doing and where you need to improve so that when you leave her, when you work with someone else who doesn't know how to communicate with black women, doesn't know how to give you direct feedback Mm. and complains uh, complains about you behind your back they won't have these things that I've identified to complain about mm. and they definitely definitely won't I know I know the way I think isn't it's not great but I'm very I'm very one thing that I pray you forgive me on is that I will say to them I'm being hard on you I won't just be hard I'll be like I'm being hard on you because for example I know you've got a training contract and you're moving to another firm and if you do something like this on your training contract you know it won't go down for you if you do something like this when you're working for this person they will go nuts like that's the type of but I think I think I think that's that's something slightly different Mm-mm. um yeah but I in a way no, no, no. I don't, I don't think it's fair because it's not giving them an opportunity to no, just no 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 because you're because it's tough love yeah. and you're being transparent with it and it's almost like I'm role modeling preparing you for Mm. what it is and you're very aware of that and you're transparent about that you're not saying I don't seem to get on with them and they don't that black women in my workplace are the juniors and they don't tend to understand you are being very clear about your approach and I think if we're talking about specifically how we look after each other sisterhood in the workplace and we think you know we've got many um supervisors leaders people that listen to this podcast 
what kind of leader are you in terms of facilitating that growth maybe that is one method because it's coming Mm. from a place of love however Mm. what I will say is we've got to be careful and you've got to understand Mm. your own emotional intelligence Mm. to understand that you are not perpetuating a culture that you do not like Mm -hmm. and so on one hand it's like tough love I need you to understand that this is how you could be spoken to this is what could happen and this is the expectation if we're going to go with the pace and you're going to chill with the big boys then (laughs) then you know this is what it is but the other side of it is also as a leader a manager whatever a decision maker in your workplace being mindful of the culture that you want to set in terms Mm. of actually is this just the way that it is because there are some environments that are fast paced if I was a so I don't know what it's like to work as a as a doctor a surgeon but yeah, people's sure. lives depend on it yeah. like you can't afford like there is no time for for dilly right yeah, there, sure, there are certain yeah. settings where actually there is genuinely no space for that mm-hmm. and there's other settings where it's like okay we are responding but actually and I'll keep laboring the point we can mm. see that this is a problem and so there's something wrong with the way mm. that we train the way that we onboard the way that we work yeah agreed. that isn't allowing to mitigate for these problems mm. yeah there's definitely a difference in in terms of preparing people for certain situations and you know dismissing them and I think the key point here is that you're not dismissing what they're feeling or expressing you're just saying listen understand but realistically this is the way that you're going to have to deal with it like it reminds me of like one or two of like my favorite shows I think industry probably is season one is like a brilliant example of that kind of financial environment you need emotional resilience more than the average or ordinary person no one's got time there to coddle your feelings you're here to get Mm. a job done do it well and although it's very very toxic actually in the way that you know things kind of transpire in that um, environment there is an element I think of the new trainees when they were joining where they were a little bit naive as to what they were stepping into and so they were falling left right and center and I think the problem with that particular setting was there was no one to guide them and to lead them and say have that little chat with them like you have with them and, and that's why they were kind of falling off to the wayside but if someone had come come in and identified okay these people are struggling let's have a chat with them and you know kind of discuss that this is the situation this is the expectations of you and you're either going to have to rise to it otherwise this is an environment where you'll get dashed out quickly and I think one or two of the characters in fact the black mm-hmm. female character she mm-hmm. essentially had someone do that for her yeah, which did. is she why a sponsor but didn't she stab him in the back or something Right. Oh, we're doing spoilers. So we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to put a thing on the. Yeah, on the it's so spoilers. Yeah, but I mean, she prevailed within the system, uh, and I won't say it was necessarily in the most healthy way. But she had her goals. She knows what she wanted to achieve, and so she took that advice on board and said, listen, I'm going to do whatever I need to do in order to get to the next step. And like you said, uh, another example I was thinking of is the military, very, very strict environment. Like they don't tolerate niche there. Like imagine the way you make your bed, even that is, you know, analyzed down to the very minute degree. And if there's a single crinkle, you can get in serious trouble for that. So an aspect of emotional resilience is knowing the environment that you're stepping into um, appropriately equipping yourself um physically mentally emotionally for that environment it's still going to be more than what you've prepared yourself for but just not entering it naively and blindly 
see, and then I, following on from Shan's point, I believe like in certain environments, it's important then because the people who are in those environments know how stressful they can be. It's important for them, not just to teach people how to be good bankers, lawyers, doctors, soldiers, but to say, this is how you build emotional resilience. It's not, I think we need to move away from the baptism by fire. Alternatively, I had it hard. Nobody explained it to me. So I'm not going to explain it to you. Yeah, that's the mentorship aspect of like workplaces as well. When you have someone that can behave as a mentor towards you in the workplace, that makes that transition a bit easier. And we've got episode on that. I don't remember which one. Shannon's Shan. a historian here. <laughs> we've called her bluff. She don't remember. Which episode are we talking about? Mentorship. Oh, oh, we've got a few, but now I can't quote them right now. There's <laughs> one in season, it... season five on coaching. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. even remember what season. <laughs> I'm not mentorship. No. Um, I think there's one quote that I wanted to just um, to discuss, just to bring it more to Black women's experience. And this is something, a quote by Dr. Robin Hughes that I found really interesting. Resilience is often a response to some ism, be it racism, sexism, or perpetual racial trauma for black women. Discuss for 10 points. What do you think, guys? That was quite, I was like, woof. Right, hold on, come again. Resilience is often a response to some form of ism, racism, sexism, or perpetual racial trauma for black women. I think... I think like if we take an ism as an ignorance towards what people need mm-hmm. um, for safe, productive, whatever workspaces, then yeah, I would agree because an ism is an, is an act of discrimination or an act of, it's ignorance, isn't it? Exactly. And so once you are not aware of or you are not catering to the needs of a group based on their gender, based on their race, based on their ability or lack of, then yeah, that's where, that's where it comes in. Right. Because you, because this is what, this is what we were saying in the beginning about how much of the responsibility lays on us, because we have to go through the mental aerobics of how do I respond to this person who's not, coming to me in a way that I need them to or is not meeting my needs or whatever it is you know the inflexibility of workplace hours or the lack of respecting conversations it's you build as a response to something negative so I don't think you can dispute that and I think because we know that the details of being a black woman working are so it's so intricate and so intangible and there's certain parts of our experiences you know when we refer back to like the microaggressions Mm. it's it's there's some of it that's so hard to define or explain that happens and often people aren't um they don't acknowledge it they won't admit it you know it's quite obvious to say oh this person's disabled and you haven't provided a ramp for them obvious but commenting on somebody's hair is like what do you do with that so the complexity of making an employer understand that this is a problematic space that they're creating specifically for black women and then how we respond and remembering as we said earlier that our response is always 
always has to kind of be tempered by I don't want to be aggressive I don't want to, I don't want to be seen to be aggressive I don't want to be called out I'm supposed to be black excellence like it's so complicated no definitely as well and I think it puts we said it a few times in this conversation about our tempered reaction and the thought process we have to go through before we even react and how exhausting that might be and so you can have like emotional resilience but then you need a separate a second level of emotional resilience in terms of how you actually proceed when you take steps forward. So it's not just being reactionary, it's about reacting to something, but then also when you need to take proactive steps, how you have to effectively censor yourself. And that in and of itself can be can be quite a surreal experience because the reality is they're written on the walls, but the way it looks and the way it is, the way it's perceived to be and the way it is are completely different. And so, I mean, I feel like in my only my personal career, a lot of my, I would say, professional personal resilience has been influenced by experiences of microaggression, whether that's racism or sexism, because I've, I've had both. I've also would say as well and have regularly ageism in the sense of because I look young and because I sound young. <clears throat> Please. Um, people think I don't know what I'm doing. and so that in and of itself becomes really difficult because people don't think what I'm doing because I'm a black woman they don't think what I'm doing because I'm a woman and now they don't think I know what I'm doing because I look like I'm 12 especially Uh on this video call business so um so yeah it can be it can be very 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 difficult Um, yeah from my perspective I think this um, resilience that Dr. Robin speaks of is a particularly gnarly form of resilience yeah. because it hinges on the fact that so much of what impacts us in a negative way within the work environment mm-hmm. is up for debate still. Yeah, that's a others. good point. That is such a good point. I never thought of it like that. So that that speaks to the point Shan made earlier of the intangibility of it. It's not intangible to us. It's very real. It mm. is very, you know, one plus one equals two. But the mm. world around us still considers it as, mm, are you sure? Couldn't it just be this instead? Mm. And so then we have to have the regular, regular emotional resilience. But then this level of emotional resilience as well, which is, I would say even more insidious and toxic and just like working out the two of them hand in hand Mm. as you go along just can be so difficult and so like demoralizing at Mm. times but at the same time we're in a situation where it is a skill that we actually have to cultivate because Babylon is not changing anytime soon Mm. yeah so until we get people to accept our definitions of what a microaggression is of what racism is sexism misogynoir we're still going to be out here negotiating with what actually is of a negative emotional impact to us definitely okay, so so before we wrap up and we always like to do a little bit of a tip then told so like yeah, what is one thing that you think oh sorry Nats, did you have something to say i just had one tiny little point oh go on babe I'm sorry discuss um apologies can you can you stand <laughs> up stand up sorry. i just think um sorry and i feel so bad because it's another quote as well and <laughs> it's but i needed to i want us to discuss it um basically living in a culture that ignores us or indifferent to the stresses and traumas unique to experience of black women teaches you mm. to hide your feelings and i think this 
touches a little bit more on what Shan was saying about the lack of transparency and even you about um, just not being able to express how you feel and wonder, be trying to figure out how much of resilience is really not you just being emotionally resilient because this is a characteristic that you have, but you're actually hiding now how you feel. So it's, it's not like you're you... gaslighting yourself, basically. Uh-huh. And so like where we're hearing of like so many more young people, young men and young women in the workplace, for example, doing things like, you know, self-harm, committing suicide, drug abuse, all that type of thing. I wonder how we really look through to see what is resilience and what is, you know, for want of a better word, fabrication. Mm-hmm. Because people who are seen as resilient in all circumstances, you know, her husband died, her baby died, but she still kept going. This happened, this happened. He lost his leg, he lost his arm, but he still kept going. Like not to minimize the achievements of those people, but we really do praise mm. resilience and being able to continually push and, you know, achieve certain things against all odds. Mm. Um, and I just wonder how much of, of that wider environment, especially in the workplace, puts us at risk of serious harm to our mental health because we don't know the difference between being resilient and like you said told gaslighting ourselves Mm. I'm going to return to like I think one of the the earliest point that I made in terms of being allowed to break down and I actually I actually had a conversation with um, a fellow teacher who is very stressed she's suffering from anxiety moment and take the time off and so I think you know and we've spoken to this point again season one I think it's episode seven <laughs> about <laughs> sick leave yeah. and taking time off and I think in terms of like um and, and, and this does lend itself to the tips is that you are allowed to put the bag down yeah. you you know the saying like just because I'm carrying it doesn't mean it's not heavy yeah. and so I think in part of building emotional resilience is about um is about knowing what adjustments or no assessing because you don't always know assessing what adjustments can be made Mm. which then plays into setting boundaries and I think setting boundaries is like one of the first steps to building emotional resilience and some of those boundaries you will know ahead of the game so for example for me it's the inflexibility of working hours when I leave at five don't clock watch me I'm leaving because I gotta pick up my children and that I am not going to be stressed about I am not stressing about staying on in a meeting versus getting charged by the nursery no yeah yeah Yeah. my boundary is these are my working hours not because I'm being an arsehole but because that's part of me protecting my well-being and looking after my job and my other responsibilities, my children. So making, assessing what adjustments need to be put in place and setting them up as boundaries is important because otherwise we are taking on too much stress, stress that makes us feel anxious, stress that will, you know, this, well, stress stress that makes you anxious. It's all the the words, isn't it? Mm. but you don't, my point is in, in responding to your quote is we don't actually have to carry the weight 
that's on our shoulders all the time know when to put it down Mm. and there are solutions I know you wanted to do some tips to wrap up so (laughs) no so no I mean I've already looked into I was going to say if we had to share from a personal perspective like something that we know that we've actively done or do whether it's minute in terms of conversation pieces or boundaries like what are or what is one of the single things you can identify that plays into you building your emotional resilience I will go ahead here I think and I've mentioned this before is having an outlet um, people Mm. to discuss with who can um, correctly frame things for you because as you said sometimes perception is not everything so sometimes having people that you trust and to you know love and trust you that you can discuss certain situations you're going through can give you a bit of a clearer picture as to what actually is going on and how you might address that and I think that's kind of key in developing um, emotional uh, resilience from an external point of view. Um, I also think there is a certain element of not being naive about the situations and the environments that you're going into, but I should say perhaps you find yourself in a situation which was not what you expected. Um, You really do actually need to do a piece of internal work. Actually, there is a responsibility for all of us to do a piece of work in terms of kind of training ourselves in advance and thinking about how we might handle certain situations like the internet is here google is here there's millions of people speaking about their experiences in a work environment we've literally done how many years of speaking about us um, our experiences in the work environment this is your toolkit go back and listen to those episodes in terms of the tips that we're providing all those kind of things so that you can build strategies for yourself in terms of how you're handling certain situations and also find yourself communities again this is an example of one black women working community Mm -hmm. of where you can you know touch base with other black women working or people in similar environments such as you and again find out tips and tricks of handling certain situations and also actually preventative measures as well because not everything is a dealing with a situation after the fact sometimes you can actually prevent some of the emotional resilience that you may have had to go through if you didn't hand if you end up handling a situation in a certain way no definitely definitely um for me I would say but I know this option isn't open to everyone I got therapy so um when I realized I was kind of struggling especially after the pandemic I just invested in therapy and I was like I want to understand why I'm struggling to set boundaries in a certain place I want to understand what behaviors are normal behaviors at work and what behaviors are learned unhealthy behaviors but my my goal was to understand how to set boundaries so that I could live the life that I really wanted to live and that I could focus on the things that I really wanted to, I really wanted to enjoy that were crucial to me. So I think that's been the the thing that was really definitely the catalyst to a lot of change because having someone to be accountable to who doesn't know you, who's not your friend, um, was really important for me, but also where you can set clear goals about how you're going to take steps to really just change change your life effectively because your relationship with work is very important to your life especially if that relationship is a toxic and unhealthy one so I think that is that is it from us ladies it's been so lovely to record with you today and talk about something that I was really 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 excited to talk about so thank you and I want to thank the listeners so 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 much for listening 
as always, please tell a friend to tell a friend um, just to get the word out. We're really passionate about the conversations that we have on this podcast. And we just want to, you know, be a tool, like Sol say, and be a community for so many more Black women in the workplace in the UK. So please like um, our podcast on whatever platform you listen to. And please also subscribe. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and you can always keep the conversation going on social media using our hashtag, hashtag BWWPodcastUK or adding us on Twitter or Instagram at BWWPodcastUK. Please feel free to DM us to let us know if you've got any suggestions for topics. We are really open to hearing from you, talking about the things that you want us to talk about. And if you have anything you also want to discuss, um, please feel free to email us at blackwomenworkinguk at gmail.com and we will see you on the other side. Thanks, Nat. No problem. Bye, ladies. Bye. Yeah, bye.